A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, your weekly automotive podcast hosted by two rather uninformed enthusiasts. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm Sam from the YouTube channel Scene Through Glass. Oh, I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. And you can watch us each week. We hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> Did you see Paul Wallace bought a supercar? Yeah, I saw it. Well, hold on a minute. What? He bought a car. <laughs> that is not a supercar. You know, That's you, in the same category as your 360, mate. Hey, hey, hey. Well, then it's definitely a supercar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where did this come from? Out of nowhere. I spent some money. Super hatchbacks of Saxton's. Mate. Suddenly. <laughs> super SUV. Super SUV. <laughs> I mean, bravo. Obviously, Paul will be coming back on the show soon enough for. Not the, too soon. Not too soon, but for a Car Park <laughs> Chats episode. Um, so we're going to quiz them all about this. But literally. Yeah, out of nowhere, last night I just posted. This, I bought a cheap Audi R8, so we're we're back to supercars of London. Well, we well, I mean, to be fair to him, we didn't normally we get updated on the process all the time on the group. I'm doing this, and I'm going to do that. I mean, he just sort of said, "Well, I bought this." But, the, but what's insane is, as you say, for the last two <laughs> and a half he'd years, he actually paid money for it. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> the last two and a half years, he has bored our socks off. Yeah. With, Do you think I should buy this? What about this? This is quite good. Like yeah. just to the point where we both ignore him. Just buy a car, Paul. And he just did. He yeah. just went and bought a car. So if you haven't seen, head over Supercars London. He's bought a supercar, or as Tony, what would you call it then? A sports car, would you call it? A car. A car. No, come on. <laughs> it's, the v, it's the V10 RA. Uh, yeah. With That's a, a proper engine. With a shifter thing that you got. Gated gearbox. A manual. Yeah. Stupid. Oh my God. We're still on that. Yeah. 2023, you're still anti the manuals. Yeah. Mind you, I will say. Oh God, here we go. No, we're talking about manuals. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you cannot believe, I've never, I mean, if I could have 10 of these cars, nothing special. Yesterday, no, the other weekend, I put a manual three door Golf GTI on. Wow, seven point five. Seven point five. Right. So a first of the seven point five, two thousand and seventeen. But a one owner car with nine thousand miles on it from new. Sounds lovely. I sold it in an hour. In an hour. Because it was a manual three door. I mean, the dream. That's what I'd be looking Not for. Not interested. Is that a club sport? What, what sport no, was no. that? No, no. It was just, it was, it's like it's just the, a manual three-door. It's just a manual three-door. It was a standard car, apart from the Pretorias, in black. I knew I was going to sell it because go and find another one. There ain't there ain't another one. And uh, But I didn't realise I'd say that quick. I mean, I sold it you literally should, in an hour. You should up for 10 grand more than you are. Well, I would never have sold it. <laughs> well, maybe you would have. Who knows? But, but yeah, that's another trick, actually, that, uh, that people always say that. And and we always think, flipping, I should put more money. Should have put that up at more money. But you wouldn't have sold it at more money. So we sold it at the right money. I'm sure you're right. Because yeah. this is No money off. Gone. Boom. Out the door. Gone. See you later. An hour. But... 
10 grand in a golf. It's but, lovely. For an hour's work, it's br- I mean, it's unbelievable. But <laughs> if you'd waited 24 hours, could you have made a little bit more money? Well, I don't know if I'd have put it up for more money. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? The, the, phone, knows? the phone might not have rang another grand more or 500 quid more. Oh, I'd have put it up five grand more. Ah, manual three door rare <laughs> only one in the UK <laughs> that's literally if I started a dealership everything be bust the, the only Merlin purple <laughs> super rare buy it now yeah um, but okay well a cool sounding car I get lost with the golfs why because Mark 4 was my generation Mark 5 I'm like oh, I'm big, big and bulbous and then I'm like I don't really know what happens after that. No, the 7 and the 7.5 are like, I think they're the sweet spot. That's literally what I was about to ask. So those are the ones. I think that's the sweet spot. We're on 8 now, right? We're on 8, yeah. We're just a bit of a dull instrument. But the 7 and the 7.5, what was the difference Uh, between the 7 and the 7.5? Not not a lot. Bit of a facelift, basically. Yeah, digital dash and a few other bits and pieces, but, you know, 10 horsepower difference or something in terms of power. But I think they're good cars then. And the, the GTI... Over the R or Some it's car, such a hard one. Some, isn't it? Someone literally asked me this the other day. Yeah. Would you have a GTI over an R? It's the same car. One's front wheel drive and one's four wheel drive. Because don't forget, the four wheel drives on these three hundred horsepower hot hatches, they're electric. It's an electric front wheel drive. It's not a proper four wheel drive system. It's not like a on a on an SUV. It's an electric diff. So, so it's two wheel drive really. And power-wise, between GTI and R in that generation? S- um, 60 horsepower difference. Okay. 240 and 300. Could you get ish. a manual R? No. No. Okay, so... Well, you could back in the day, but you can't now. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it's that. not, not a thing now. Well, talking of back in the day manual Rs, and actually we've got two cars to talk about in this section. Firstly, did you see the R32, the Mark IV R32? I am so angry about this. I think it was on Bring a Trailer. Give me two seconds. Oh, I, the, the second car we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, you uh, know which one it is. Good boy! But, but, no, but both of us uh, are going to be really... Like, uh, we're both kicking ourselves today, I think. Because, really? Well, so the 97-mile Volkswagen Golf R32 sold in America. Did you see this? No. Okay, guess how much? 97 miles. No, so so brand delivery mileage, literally delivery mileage. V6. Untouched Mark IV VW Golf R32. The three, boxy shape. Three door. The three door, yeah. Yeah. Oh. 100 grand. <laughs> $104,000. Yeah, I mean. A hundred and four. I have been talking about these cars for the last three years. Yeah. Why haven't I bought one? I don't know. I mean, because okay. you got hundred grand. No, <laughs> nor would I want a ninety-seven mile version. I'm jumping on Auto Trader right now. Shout out Auto Trader. Um, Why don't they sponsor us, Auto Trader? Because you know who's better? eBay Motors. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave that like that. <laughs> so hold on a sec. Uh, Golf model variants. Uh, is it on R thirty two? Does that come up on here? Uh, yeah, R32. Okay, fine. So, what's the most expensive Mark IV R32? 40 grand. Someone stuck one up at. What 39,000 miles. miles. What miles? 39. Oh, you should buy that. It's cheap. If one's just sold for $100,000. There's one at 66,000 miles, which is 18 grand. I mean, but these were four grand when I started talking about yeah. them. Four or five grand when I started talking about them. Another one with 68,000 miles at 15 grand. But. 
But realistically, mate, where are they going to stop? I mean, well, apparently, one hundred and four thousand dollars. Yeah, but that's a that's a one off delivery mile car. I mean, which was like that Clio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, it's a real one off. You know that that's bought because it is a one off, and it's never going to be driven. But mate, what about the generation before the the Peugeot rallies the the 205 GTIs. 205 GTIs. What else has been going crazy? Turbos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The little hot hatches from the from yesteryear. That RS, just, R Escort RS turbos. That have flown. flown yeah. So why wouldn't an R32, if it's fetching $104,000 for a delivery mileage car now, surely a 30,000 mile car in another five years is going to be 60, 70 grand? Oh, I don't know. Oh. The thing is, they're not that great, but I think for my generation... What a sweet, what a special car. Like, it was really a, a beastly hatchback. And I, I would have one. I'm, I've missed the boat. I've, I waited too long. And also, I don't, like, I would have one as a collector. I'm not going to literally drive around in it. I would drive it, like, once or twice a year. I just wanted to have it just to be like, I got it. Because when I was 16, I was like, that was my dream car. <laughs> and now I've got one. I've completed life. Um, but whilst I'm kicking myself about R32. Oh, mate, please. You must be kicking yourself. About Sierra Cosworth. Well, I can tell you a story. I mean, that was that that car that I even posted that car, reposted it yesterday on my story. It made five hundred and sixty thousand pound or dollars. Five hundred and ninety six thousand pounds. That is, it, it, I mean, it was a really is it because it's an RS five hundred, right? It was an RS five hundred. Right. So they are rare. But let me tell you a little story about one of them cars. It only had five thousand miles on the clock, and it fair on. enough. I nearly bought one of them cars mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and I bought the Subaru instead because the, the RS500 at the time had done a bit more miles. <clears throat> it was quite a lot more money. All I cared about was going fast, and the Subaru was faster. But it was only probably 20 or 25 grand back then. The Subaru was loads cheaper, and I thought, you know, I didn't really have the money to buy the Sierra. But hindsight, eh? Oh, my God. I mean, you cannot... and. How do how does that justify being that money that car? So when you think, I mean, rarity, yes. And someone, someone, I saw actually a couple of DMs commenting on the on the when I reposted it, and they said, "You think a GR Yaris will ever go up?" <laughs> in, you know, I mean, it's not as two men made twenty five thousand. The RS five hundred, they didn't make many of them, so it is a well, it rare car. How many here? It's like what fifteen hundred or something like that. No, I would have been. I think it's less than that, mate. Okay, because the the, the I mean, the other car in that generation that they really didn't make many of was the Lotus Colton. Okay, sure, yes. So, I mean, that's another one. It's around 400. Yeah. So, you know, it's really rare. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, fair. It's rarer than a LaFerrari. Uh, uh, yeah, it's rarer than the... Uh, yeah, 499. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it, it, like when you look at 458 Apertas, that's 700 grand now I mean, for a delivery mileage car. 950 Lotus Carltons, I think, yeah. maybe left is what they're saying. Yeah. Oh, no, we're completed. 950 were completed. I mean, you're right. There are a ton of cars from that generation that had been overlooked for a long time that are now starting to fetch silly money at auctions. And how often do people reach out to you saying, I'm looking to invest in a car, or I'm All thinking about buying a classic, what should I get? All the time. If we knew the answer... <laughs> Yeah. we would be very rich because 
my analysis of it as a non-expert in the collecting world yeah. is it really comes down to one or two people becoming very enthusiastic about a specific mark or model. You just have to find that man. And that and that's the case with, with all cars in general. You've got to find the man. But in my end of the market, in the newer stuff, there's a lot of men, you know, there's a lot of, lot of audience, essentially. With a classic car... It's not my market anyway. I understand it, obviously, but it's how can how can you word it? You've really got to be patient, you, and as well, you can put the car up for whatever you like, unless you find that man. I mean, you could have it two years, three years. But the auction's slightly different because obviously they market it. And Silverstone Auction are very good at doing that, by the way, don't they? They they do do a good job. To be fair to them, I mean, they've done a fantastic job in selling that car oh and God. getting that money for that car. I mean, it was eye-watering the amount of money that that car but, received. But the thing is, you're, you're talking about it, if, you know, if you're going to go out there and buy something and stick it away and just hold on and wait. My point being, you can't really predict what's going to fly. Because no one can. at any one time, something might look like... For example, Sierra Cosworth, as you say, not only when they came out with a cheap forever, were overlooked. They weren't sitting there at, oh, this car's going to be worth 600 grand at some point. Yeah. You could have said the same about Carrera GTs in their 40s at a certain stage. Yeah. You could definitely say the same about 250 GTOs. You yeah. know, there was a time when they were just ex race cars and no one cared. Yeah. Um, and so it is very hard. But what tends to happen is it's, a, I think, a generational thing where obviously you're. It's, that's a car of your generation. Yeah, yeah. As, they be, as the, more and more people get disposable income within your generation, they start to go over after cars that were their dream cars or poster yeah, cars six growing up. grand, and, mate. And then all it takes is three or four people within that space starting to spend lots of money on cars, trying to hunt down the best example, find the best example, pushing up money. Because that's what it is. Just people have just gone nuts. That's a yeah, five thousand yeah. mile car. People have just yeah, gone. Yeah. I think the estimate was one hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, like yeah. That. Which would have been a lot of money for that then. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So yeah. It, hey, look. I I wish we had the what's it called? Mirror ball? The a glass ball? What's it called? Looking. What's it called? The mystic ball when you. Um, yeah, I know what you mean, but what's I it don't even know what it's called either. I wish we had the ability ah, to speak to see. To, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But to see into the future. Yeah. Crystal ball. Crystal ball. Oh, God. And work out what's going to be the next future customer. Maybe, maybe we do, because as I said, I've been talking about R32 golfs for a while. I should have just sucked it up and bought one. Yeah. Okay, here's my prediction. I know we did this recently, a topic of future classics. I think the Volvo. The R thing. Yeah. Yeah. 750R. Yeah. I mean, that's a car of my era. It's the 90s, but yeah, that was, a, I mean, it was, was old, poli- old police car. And I'll tell you another car oh, that 850 I... 850R. 850R. I'll, t- I'll tell you another car that I had as well, which I did make some money on, but again, I wish I'd kept it now, is that Escort Cosworth I had. Yeah. I mean, I, I give 12 grand for that car, mm, probably 10 or 12 years ago, and I kept it for six or seven years, and I, met, and I got 25 grand for it. I doubled my money. But now they're 50 or 60 grand. Ridiculous, right? And, that, and that's only... And I probably yeah. only sold that car four or five years ago. So they've gone up... They've doubled again. From four or five years ago. I am going to be philosophical about this and say, buy the cars that you like and you dream of and enjoy them. And if they go up, well done. If you're really getting into it as an investor, it's just as much as a gamble as any other. I know the returns can be fantastic, but it's like investing into art. It's like investing into 
jewelry, wine, there's always a risk. There's always a bit of a gamble. You can try and make calculated guesses. But as I say, speak to, I think on a monthly basis, I speak to people who had F40s and sold them at 150 grand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, you, you can't really predict it and you've just got to kind of go with the flow of the times. And, and as I say, if, if you're really trying to be a collector, then do your research, but you're taking as much of a punt as... Well, I'll tell you another us. thing as well, being someone that's in the job, what goes up must come down. And we've seen well. it before where... No, 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 no. We've seen it before where cars do do that and it's a trend. You know, it's where do I put my money? Yeah, it's it has more highlighted over the last four or five years. But where does the bloke go that's just give nearly 600 grand for a Sierra? What are you telling me that that car's going to be a million quid in 10 years' time? Yeah, so it's hard to understand his position. Has he bought that because that's his dream car? We don't the know. The one that he wants, the ultimate version. And also... Fair play to it, it, it is 2023. We should say it could be a woman. Like, I just, you know, let's... We have a lot of... We I could, could be a kid, mate. We have a female audience, and I don't want—I yeah. don't want to—I don't want you to feel left out. Two of them, three. Uh, um, so hold on a sec. So we don't know the person's intentions. I agree. If they're buying it as an investment, you're like, oh, it's punchy because it feels like you've overpaid massively. But maybe they know something we don't. But in in general, um, yeah, oh, I I don't agree with your what goes up must come down. I think in in the sub. 500k part of the market agreed things fluctuate a lot but when you're talking about close to a million pounds plus collector grade cars there's difference you might have some fluctuation in the market but a Carrera GT is not going to come back down to 500 grand that's not going to happen well uh, you you might have said that about lots of cars previously that have gone up and come down what give me an example of something that has gone up not a TDF has gone up to a million pounds and come back down a collector grade car that has well that well that was one of them yeah but that's a, a that's a bad example because that that went to a million pounds as it launched as in like overs like demand is over I'm talking about a car that over time has appreciated as a classic investment yeah yeah there was um, the Enzos come back and they've gone back up again for sure so hold on a sec what, what would you say they went uh, up and down at I, I think I think a a, a good Enzo back back in the day would have been you know nearly two million and then they went down to like 1.6 and then they've gone they're like two and a half now yes La- but, laughs but, laughs but, as well come off and went back up again and that is for sure that definitely happened but, but they're not the okay so hold on a second because we're talking a lot about modern cars here well I mean, Enzo, Enzo, sorry, Enzo, not so much. Yeah. But I, I don't quite agree on the Enzo. I can tell you another one as well. The the, um, the full GT was another one. The first one, that was another one. Went up, come back down, went up again. Um, but that's what I mean because the, the Alpha that the, stupid you have the you have initial thing. You have initial demand, which is different. You like an STO. You get the initial overs, cools off, goes back up. That's but a bad example. I, I'm but. talking about for, for example. Uh, 250 short wheelbase, uh, Pagani Zonda, uh, Pagani Zonda is even a bad example, but proper investment grade stuff. Like not not supercars that I want to buy just now. I know it's overinflated. I'm going to wait for it to come down. I know it's gone back up. Like I'm talking about long term. But investment, is, most of it, mate, is just speculating. So what they do is they buy them low. You know, pe- that's why people buy. They buy stuff low and then the demand goes up and then the prices go up. Speciali is another good one, by the way. 
What? Yeah, but that's, again, I, I, I hold on a sec. I'll come back to that. I just want to say, Haggerty, why do you, why do you put your bloody market analysis tools behind a paywall? I mean, I know why because you're not going to get me to sign up and pay. <laughs> it's just annoying. <laughs> I, look, you're, you're you're not wrong. I totally get where you're coming from. I think in my mind, I'm just talking about there's a difference between supercar trade values and and the buying and selling of supercars and collector grade cars but it's all speculation that everything is speculation absolutely and there'll be someone in here who'll be a trader in mirrors and original pre-war alphas and things like that who will say that they fluctuate too but i think my point being that some cars some cars go and never come back do you know what I mean? Like some, some yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. We'd always, we'd always have an example of some, but uh, you know, the speciali one is, I think, is a good example because they couldn't give them away new, as in the, the last ones they were giving money off. Then, then they shot through the roof. Then they come back down. Then went back up. Then they come back down again, and then they've gone back up again. So, and they're seven or eight year old now, yeah. and that's going to be a that's going to be a, that will end up being a, a, you know, an iconic classic car. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Can no, you no. see that a million quid delivery mile, one of them? A Pert is already almost there, aren't There's they? seven something. Yeah. 700 grandish. I don't see them coming back down. Um, standard speciality, it's hard to say. It's a numbers game as well, by the yeah, way. So, yeah. you know, as, as cars go on and they get written, written off and, um, things change in terms of the numbers of cars. I mean, especially there was three or 4,000 of them made from the, the Ferrari never tell you the exact amount, but there was three or 4,000 of them made. They won't be now because half of them have probably been crashed. <laughs> and then what, and then after that, you've then got the delivery mile cars that no one's ever driven, that no one's ever seen. They've not been on market. You know, what, what are they worth? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. um, I, I always think that, 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 that that classic car market is always driven by speculation and it's like a trend. Yeah, well, it's if, it, but it's... Yeah, go on, sorry. And if you get in at the right time and you've rung the bell and you get out at the right time and and the car's up, then great. Houses are exactly the same, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's any investment. It's, it's any, any investment. investment. I mean, yeah. it's Bitcoin. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's any investment. Just so. don't get in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, did you see a story that was doing the rounds and got a little bit of traction on Twitter? I think at the end of last week, which was that some insurers are now refusing to insure Range Rovers in London. Well, uh, I've, I mean, I've been hearing that for some time, mate, by the way. Well, it happened to my dad. Obviously, I think it's a sort of well-known story, an often told story on this podcast, that my dad had Range Rover Sports, was living in central London, and had three nicked in a row. Yeah. And for the third car, they said, I'm sorry, we now refuse to insure you. Yeah, he yeah. had to go through various... First, like, okay, now you've got to put a tracker on, now you've got to have a steering wheel lock, now you've got to put... And then at the end, it was like, well, if it's, if it's not in an underground secure car park, we refuse to insure you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, there was some traction because people were saying, I don't quite believe this is true this can't be true and it's it, definitely true it, but f- as i say for sure um it, it i i know it's true and and the the story was written by journalists who had obviously found out that it was true um but my question being is this firstly is this fair uh, let's talk about why it's come about and where do we go from here if you can not get your car insured? if you live in a cent if a city and you're buying a hundred thousand pound car and no one will insure it 
What does that mean for us moving forward? Well, first of all, yes, it's completely fair. Um, because whilst you do pay your premiums for these cars, obviously insurance insurance is a business. So if it feels that 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 a car is more of a liability and it's costing them more money than it getting in, then yeah, they can they they'll pull the plug. the The fault lies with Land Rover. Sort it out. You're the manufacturer because what's going to happen is no one. Will, I mean, it's already starting to happen now. People don't buy don't buy them anymore because I've got customers that literally do not buy Range Rovers, one for, for liability. And they're one of my favourite cars in general. Range oh, yeah. I, I, I think I, we've said that so many times. We both really want a big Range Rover. Yeah, like, yeah. We both uh, really want a, one. It's an amazing bit of kit. But the general mass public get pissed off with spending 130, 140 grand on this car that's mostly in the garage or it's been stolen. So that's Land Rover's fault. That, that's that's not the insurance company's fault or the person that's bought it. Land Rover got to sort their security system out because I have a bit of a conspiracy around cars being... Because it's not all manufacturers that suffer with the problem. Mercedes have got a big problem, by the way, with their Kili Century AMG stuff that gets nicked all the while. Um, but they must be getting... The security systems on the cars, the Keyless Entry security systems on the cars, are either so easy to crack that they're just letting them get on with it. And actually, from a manufacturer point of view, yeah, let's let these cars will get stolen because it means we can just make some more. So there's there's that conspiracy theory. The other the other theory is is that the thieves are being sold the information from someone. It's like an inside job, which I think is that's what's happening. Someone. Because there's some manufacturers that, that it's not it's not a thing. You can't whether it, it's mostly Mercedes and Land Rover, which is hey look I love a conspiracy. Uh, um, I'm not going to knock either. Um, but you're right. It's bizarre that it's it happens to be specific brands and models. But the crazier thing is Range Rover specifically. Uh, I think are most often well if you go around Central London, if it's not a Rolls Royce Ghost, it's a Range Rover these days. So. If most people feels like lots of Range Rover owners or customers are having their cars in the city centre, and now insurers are saying, well, we're not actually going to insure you to have a car in the city centre, is that market falling out from underneath Land Rover's eye? Like, as you say, they've got to fix it, but this has been going on for years. Years, if not a... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Decade, but but it hasn't it obviously hasn't affected their sales figures. But no sooner it does, then they'll do something about it. Of but course. it might be too late. Yeah. The 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 fact of the matter is we've seen the clips and we've seen everything on social media. It takes less than a minute to nick a Range Rover from a laptop without the key. Insane. I mean, that is a joke. So I smacked my, my side. <laughs> <laughs> I hit my microphone. It just flew across the table. Like, Where are you going? The roof. Yeah, I was like, oh, come back. Sorry, that got Yeah, I mean, when you can nick a hundred, it's too easy for the Vs. Yeah, it's too easy. It's too easy for them. And, so, and, we, and you don't hear anything else about Audis, VW Group, nothing like that? Well, on, on the list of most stolen cars in the country, um, Obviously, Range Rover. Do you want to get? A, do you want to factually check? This? Well, factually check, but I'm yeah. going to say it out loud because I won't be far off. I'm sure I never are. am. So, Range Rover will be there. Yeah. Audi S3 and Golf are in there, and AMG Mercedes. Okay, so this is the UK's most stolen cars. I love this. Range Rover Sport, Range Rover Autobiography, Land Rover Discovery, <laughs> Range Rover Vogue, BMW X5. Okay, fair. Range Rover Evoque, Mercedes Benz E Class. Yeah. Um, Mercedes-Benz GL, Mercedes-Benz S-Class, Mercedes-Benz GLC, and then Audi A4 and BMW M3. BMW M3? I'm guessing that's not new. I well, bet that's an old generation M3. Well, it should be, because most of them are not keyless entry. The Not, the, not all the M3s are keyless entry cars. So this is a different article. This is from last year. E-Class, 800 were stolen last year. Vauxhall Astra, 1,000 were stolen. Vauxhall Corsa, 1,200. Land Rover Discovery, 1,200. BMW 3 Series, 1,400. C-Class, Mercedes, 1,400. Volkswagen Golf, 1,700. Ford Focus, 1,900. Range Rover, 3,754. Yeah. But topping the list, according to whatcar.com, Ford Fiesta, 3,900 stolen. Mm. But, uh, fair. But that's a joke between number two, Range Rover 3,700, to number three. Yeah. It's the Ford Focus at 1,900. I mean, anyway, I mean, yes, long story short, <laughs> you are essentially right, but there are a few other models in there. But, hey, I, as you say, it's something that I guess potential customers or owners are going to be considering more and more because we all need to have our cars insured in the UK and so if you can't get insurance you're going to have to be thinking about that but let me just touch on what you said about reliability for a second because uh, obviously just took my F-Type down to Switzerland uh, on a big European adventure plenty more main channel content to come from that trip uh, on my first day I bumped into ex-STG HQ landlord Merlin from the Duke of London oh and he was in his Testarossa. What are you doing? He was in his Testarossa heading down to the Ice Sam Moritz, the event that I was attending. I can talk more about that in a second, actually. Um, and, oh, I mean, I <laughs> love the Testarossa to look at, but we know it's a dog to drive. That's the worst Ferrari ever. And he came past at, I will give it to him, probably two kilometers over the speed limit. I mean, he was, he was moving. And I was like, 
brave man. So I flashed him down and we stopped for a coffee and we were catching up. How's the car? He's like, oh, you know, clutch is almost gone. The brakes are jud- juddery. Like, sounds like oh, hell. Mate. Sounds like hell. Oh, hell. So I said, I'll go on. Good luck getting there. And he goes, well, it's quite mad that you've got more chance of getting there in a JLR product than me in a Testarossa. Well, that's not mad. And I said, oh, hold on a second. I, can I just say, in all of my F-type experiences, ownership and experiences, I have never once had a problem. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've sold a lot of F-types down the years and they've all been as good as gold. Yeah. In uh, general. The, this JLR bashing for reliability, I understand. Oh, sorry, there goes my WhatsApp. I understand that there could be a Watts, that, <laughs> I'm about to say WhatsApp, there could be a <laughs> electronic uh, glitches with big Range Rovers. And it's Land like Rovers, yeah, it's Range Rovers. Land Rovers, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, on the Jaguar side, always been rock solid. Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, let, let's use that as a segue to talk about the trip very quickly. Um, had a brilliant time with the Jag. It, yeah, been a while since I've taken it on a big trip. Absolutely loved it. The car performs so well on that kind of journey. I didn't take the GT3 because obviously now it's running. I kind of want to get it back on the summer tires and I want the next trip to be somewhere dry and fun, not like straight back to the snow again. Flat out. Um, yeah, flat out, exactly, which I, which I do have planned. Um, which you won't be doing either because it's a manual. <laughs> I'll be flat out in a manual. Just might not be as quick as you in a PDK. Um, <laughs> might not. Might not. Uh, but anyway, so, and also I say it's, it's the, that's the, it was the perfect trip for the F-Type. It was... 2,000 or 2,100 miles in four days like that. I just wanted to bash it out. The car's ace. I've removed the active exhaust fuse. So from the fuse box, it's removed the active exhaust fuse. So you made it worse? No, transformed the character of that car. It's back to being an old F-type. Yeah, you just made it like... It Loud. Just screams. Go, just sounds amazing. Always. all the time. Always. <laughs> sounds incredible. Uh, did some good twisties. Messing around with the traction control. Look at me, oh, slip and sliding. Like, oh, <laughs> man, I was just, I love that car. Like, I just love it. Um, and it turned out to be a great trip. So, uh, also bumped into Schmee and his SF90. You said that. Yeah, which uh, with his dodgy roof box. You said that as um, well. And uh, made our way to this event, the Ice San Moritz. Lovely. So, this is or was essentially like the Hampton Court Concord d'Elegance or. Not even, maybe Salon Privé, trying to think of relevant UK events. But it's a fancy event on ice. Except there wasn't a lot of ice. (laughs) A lot of cars? Uh, Yeah, none that you would like. It was all really niche, 20s to 60s stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, big collector stuff, but really, really niche. And you drove 2,000 miles for that? There was something else that I was doing that I can't talk about. Oh, yeah, there was, yeah. All I'll say is it was in Italy. I'll leave it at that. Well, that doesn't mean anything. And I have already talked about it on this podcast, but I then have since signed paperwork saying I'm no longer allowed to talk about it. So (laughs) anyway, that's coming soon at some point. Um, So that's really why I went and then I bolted on the ice San Moritz. Just something to do. Exactly. Well, I thought if I'm driving past it, I might as well stop off and check it out. Um, Is it worth stopping? uh, Well. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you saying it. I'm actually really flapping because I went with the intention to make a video. And this year, people will have noticed I'm on this one video a week trajectory for the for the meantime, so I can really plug in a maximum effort for each video, and it's it's how I prefer to do things. And it was an interesting event because, as I say, well, there wasn't a lot of ice, so I was genuinely terrified at any point we could all go crashing through the thin layer of ice into the freezing lake below. Luckily, it didn't quite happen, but at any other time it could. 
there was so many people. There was music constantly. So I don't know if I've got a video, but I need one. <laughs> so it's this really weird conundrum that I'm too nervous to look back at the footage because it was so hard to film at. Firstly, the on track, on ice driving was kind of non-eventful because there were so many holes and divots and puddles and lakes. That couldn't really happen. Um, it was very clicky. Do you know what I mean by that? Very like them and us. I know exactly the real mean. old boys club. Like We all know each other. And look, I had loads of friends there and I, I knew lots of people who were super nice. And so, but it was very much like cigars, amazing outfits, high-end fashion, expensive cars, lots of ropes. So you saw yourself in 30 years' time? Literally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sort of liked it as a thing, as a sort of people-watching it was kind of fascinating. Like everyone was so elegant and kind of beautiful and stylish and well-dressed and the cars were, but it was like, whoa, like where am I? Like it doesn't, it didn't feel very real life-ish. <laughs> there were a few new cars, one of which I want to talk about. The new Maserati Gran Turismo. Oh yeah, they sorted that out. Well, I did sort of slightly hope that I was going to be able to get behind the wheel of it, but it was static only. Obviously, I, we should say sort of new almost with, you know, what's called inverted commas. Yeah, because it won't be new. Well, and it doesn't look that new, but I kind of think that's a good thing. Right. It's like, like the F-type. Yes, but, but dare I say it better? <laughs> because I think the old Gran Turismo, which obviously out overstayed its welcome, one of the best looking cars of the last 10 or 15 years. Oh, I don't know about one of the best sounding not you don't think it's a pretty car? No, it's a great big barge, mate. It's a stupid car. It just really? goes on and on and on. Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's particularly a good looking car. Oh, okay. Um, I think it sounds amazing. One of the best sounding cars. Definitely yes, that. Definitely best sounding. But I always thought it was a pretty car. And oh. so it feels like they've just sharpened it up and, and, and modernised it. All new interior, which had to happen. Of course. But then they've got rid of the juicy engine. <laughs> oh. So it's, the, it's a detuned MC20 engine. Oh, no. Which we know is like the deadest engine in the world, apart from, if you ask Evo. Uh, <laughs> car of the year. The most exciting engine ever. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> no, guys, it does not. <laughs> like, it legitimately does not sound good. Yeah. Um, so that disappoints me, because I'm like, they've, they've done everything great, except got rid of the greatest part of that car. So I kind of really want to have a go in one, oh, but it's all the money. It's all the money. How much? I think it starts at 180. Uh, I what? think. One one eight zero. I'm pretty sure. No, for the Trofeo. Let me see. What with a silly engine in it? Yeah, uh, that is a, that is a. I'll try not to swear. Uh, here we go. The Italian configurator reveals the Gran Turismo Modena will be available from a hundred eighty-one thousand. Oh no! While pricing for the hot Trofeo is two hundred twenty-six thousand euros. Yeah, yeah, no chance. I mean. What is all that about? Terrifying, mate? right? Well, it's Maserati trying to rebrand themselves into what? Ferrari. A bit more, yeah, a bit more of a luxury premium. And you know, like I get it, MC20. Like, like there's a new vibe to them. Does anyone buy them cars? The MC20. I don't think so. And at that money, I mean, that is a stretch. Like that is such a stretch, isn't it? So, so two hundred grand plus options for a car that everyone will think is crap well the old one and then oh i don't know so you have one of them or a bentley yeah or like four oh. other cars <laughs> or just buy the old one and then a lamborghini huracan <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's just anyway so 
a shame but exciting at the same time. I really do want to have a go, but I just think it's really hard to justify at that kind of price. Uh, what else was knocking around that I saw? Um, they had uh, Silly Pagani, Huara Kudl, I know, some 7 million euro. I was like, whatever. Um, I saw a lot of new RS3s in that part so, of the world. It's a bit unenthusiastic for you. Mate, it was... I'm Huara, I love looking at a a plain Huara, I think is beautiful. This was a long tail, slightly fugly version at 7 million euros. Says who it's 7 million? Pagani. Yeah, well, that's it's what they're it. charging. No, no, they apparently it was a one of one built for a specific customer. All oh, right. Yeah, it turns up at all uh, these events. And so. he's give 7 million for it. Apparently. Right. Okay. I think Zondas are like that. I think Zondas are like 10 mil now. Yeah. Madness, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, loads of RS3s knocking around, which look good, and loads of M3 Tourings knocking around. Good. So like four or five M3 Tourings in that part of the world, which was, which was they all looked pretty good, to be honest. But yeah, so anyway, I guess there'll be a video coming <laughs> at the end of the week on that event, because I've got nothing else to substitute it with, which is a bit of a fail, but it was an odd one. It was, it was an odd one, it, you know. Anyway, <laughs> not much more to say about that. So I what suppose. are you going to do then? Well, do I'm I have screwed. a run around a car park? Yeah, probably, case. yeah. <laughs> Before I get to the airport. <laughs> do a quick vlog. Do car park spotting at Heathrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm literally, I'm off to the airport uh, straight after this for a big, big adventure, which was... Can you talk about that? Uh, I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real mess, my life at the moment. I'm in yeah. between all these things. Uh, this is what I don't really want to do too much of this year is the embargoed stuff. Because it's such a bore because we can't talk about it here on the podcast. Yeah. We have to wait weeks and weeks. But it's good. That it's, a, it's, a, it's a worthwhile trip for everything that we wanted to be discussing this year. So uh, next week, can I talk about I can talk about it next week, probably. So stay tuned on that. Lots, lots that will be able to be discussed. Um, but apart from that, the trip was, uh, I say, largely successful because of the jag no problems absolutely fantastic but in the video that went live yesterday i did mention the fact that well the elephant in the room about my garage i got these three two-door sports cars three two-seat sports cars stupid that at some point i'm gonna have to change up and and i should have admitted that probably at the moment the f-type is the one that i would consider letting go of first but then i get back from a trip like the one i just did and i'm like it's the last thing i want to do is get rid of this car bloody marvelous oh, i think the ferrari's got to go no mate ferrari's going nowhere uh, I, I, mate you just sit and look at me and you've done everything you've got to do in that car now i'm never getting rid of it i i would only ever replace it with a challenge Rodale. at which point it's the, mate, it's the same thing it's another two-seat sports car what's the point what about the gt3 well, you won't be able to sell that. <laughs> Not I want to. I haven't done anything with it yet. So that's what I mean. Like, if you look at the three of them, 360, I'm just never selling. You don't understand what it means to have a sentimental value in a car, but it, <laughs> it's just, it, that, that, that car's too much. GT3, I've literally, I've driven it on one trip, so there's no way that that's going anywhere anytime soon. And whilst I'm not looking to do this till probably towards the end of the year, I still wouldn't have done enough with the GT3 by then. So, and then the F-Type, I'm like, I, I do a trip like that. I don't want to get rid of it, but I'm like, but maybe that's the one that, that needs to move. I don't know. But you've just used it last week. And loved it. Or do I put back seats in the GT3? I don't know, Tony. Lots to figure out and try and... But then but then you're going to pile miles on the... I mean, the for what you done last week... Yeah. If I had to pick what car to take, I'd have, took, I'd have definitely took the F-Type. Yeah. You wouldn't want to take the GT3, what you've just done. No well, I could, I could have, you but, could. But, but, but the F-Type is just made for that kind of trip. Of course, it's what it's, it's for. perfect, all-wheel yeah. drive, 
comfy, yeah. heated seats, all the, you know. Really loud because you've made it worse. No, it's so good. It's if anyone gets the new shape F-type, just... Take the fuse out. Just take the fuse out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, there's a big, there is a big video, a big update video coming on, on Jag and F-type in general in a couple of weeks' time. So lots in the can, lots in the canister. <laughs> you just said you're not going to sell it. No, no, but there's something else. Anyway. Oh. It's so annoying. This is what I mean. I hate <laughs> all this kind of like secretive embargo. It's so frustrating, but um, I guess that's the way of the life. Last thing I want to touch on very quickly before we wrap up. Uh, new X5 and X6 got unveiled. Yeah. Um, Load sorry, of X5 money. And X6M. Load of money. Yeah, 126 grand, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. All the money. Yeah, they all are now, but, though. But right? that's exactly it, right? Everything. Like, I think we've all just got to get used to cars becoming more and more expensive. Well, this is the road they've chose to gone to go down for now because they they can't make as many cars as they normally used to make. So, so they put the price, price up. everything up. Of course. And the thing is you sit there and you you look at it individually and go, how can I justify paying 100 and probably 30 grand once you put a couple of options on it's it? It's a monthly payment. It's a monthly payment firstly and then also everything else is the same. So it's not like one outlier has gone insane and and just overpriced their car. Everyone's more expensive. So yeah, they've you, all done it, yeah. It's got to suck it up. Like they've that's all what, put the price up. Yeah. If you want that kind of car, that's how much you've got to spend. Yeah. They're, they're all exactly the same. They've all gone up. And the, the last couple of years, COVID was an excuse for it. New cars have just gone through the roof. And they've just used COVID as an excuse. Yeah. And now they're going to stay up. Yeah. yeah. Well, they might come back down once they start making more of them again. Well, and also we have to wait for the interest rates start dropping back down as well because that's going to make monthly payments a bit more attractive. Well, we've got inflation to come down first, but yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> that's, <laughs> not, that's not happening this year. No, but, right. lovely, doom and gloom. Uh, and then uh, I guess the last, last thing we should touch on, uh, first Grand Prix of the week, sorry, Grand Prix of the year at the weekend. Not interested. Really? No, I don't think I am. I mean, I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Verstappen will win. Who's going to come second? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch the but, football. Oh, Instead. your team beat my team, by the way. Well, it's not really your team, it's my is it? Teammate. It's just the one closest to your Up house. Up the blues. Up the blues. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've got a good island as well. So you're not, because you don't like Verstappen? No, 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 no. Because I, I only like F1 particularly when it's competitive. It's like, like I only watch high-level grade football. I don't watch lower league football because... But you told me the other day you watch every match, so Watford versus... No, no, no. Every Premier League and Champions League, all the yeah. the high-level... So who's... Game. Give me... Watford, who's the, Watford are in the Championship. Well, who are the last... Who is in the relegation zone of the Premier League this year? Uh, Everton, Southampton and Bournemouth. So would you watch Bournemouth versus Southampton? Yeah, because it's... Would you? Because it's competitive. Okay, so then what about the battle for... 8th, 9th and 10th in the Grand Prix. Because that's competitive. Well, that's boring go. though. So is Bournemouth versus Southampton. No, because, what's the, because what's the... Yeah, because the... No, because that's... Two crap teams. That will be the difference between one of them staying up and going down. Nothing happens. Okay, fine. Well, okay, There's fine. no relegation or okay, so promotion the, so the, so the, so the mid, one a, a generic mid-table match between two uncompetitive, un-on-form teams in the Premier League. Like... To me, that is death. Like, I don't know but the it, Premier but, League well enough to tell you those two teams. Yeah. But I agree. When one driver is dominating F1, 
very bad for the spectacle of the sport. And we are all expecting Red Bull and Verstappen to dominate this year. Let's hope we're wrong, but that's what we're expecting. However, what you can often get in Formula One is the midfield battle. And if you support a driver or team, even if they're not winning, it can be interesting to watch what they're doing. So your argument of, oh, I watch every single game in the Premier League. I do though. It's Premier League. Well, it's competitive. this This is Formula One. Yeah. So every single, even if it's not the people winning, Man City dominate the Premier League. It's boring to watch Man City because every game you watch, you know Man City are going to win. Well, clearly you haven't watched them this year. But no, okay. no, I, I'm using it as an example. <laughs> well, I don't that's a bad fo- example. I don't know football. <laughs> it's a bad example, but I don't know football. But you're, it's also a bad example for you to say, oh, I can justify watching every single game in the Premier League because it's top level sport. Formula One's the same. You might not need to watch or need to know about who's winning because it's Verstappen, but there could be lots of battles. And actually, I was listening to a podcast on the way back yesterday, which is the Bring Back V10s era, and somebody was talking about an article they wrote in 2004, I think, saying the 2004 Formula One season was actually amazing if you took Michael Schumacher out of it. Okay. Let me give you the, let me give you the clear difference between football and Formula One and especially top-level football in the Premier League in general. The, any team in the Premier League can beat anyone. In F1, that's not the case. They all, and especially like you're talking about mid-pack. Normally in F1, the fastest car wins. It's as simple as that. It's always been the case. The fastest car is the winner. And in F1, when you get mid-pack, you go, oh, it's a bit of a jewel here. But in the last few years especially last year, they're getting a DRS train because they can all stay closer together. That doesn't happen in football. Anyone can beat anyone. You get nil-nil draws, mate. It's, it's, you, yeah, you do get nil-nil draws, but anyone can beat anyone. In F1, that's not the case. You never get, you never get Williams winning a Grand Prix. You get Haas on pole in Brazil. Did they win? No, no, exactly. I, I, I'm with you. I totally get what you're saying. There, there's always can be these underdog stories in football and you might go into it and Man City might be dominating the season and then suddenly Wolverhampton come through and beat They can them. lose. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that and I appreciate that. But that's one one match for sure. I, I, I No, I, I'm not going to deny you that. That's a fair, it's a fair point for sure. Um, but what I would say is I think you can find things to be interested in in or get excited about over a season within Formula 1, even if there's a dominant driver. But it does ruin the spectacle. It does make it tough to get excited about if you, especially if you don't support the dominant driver. Yeah. Um, and, I think you've got to really love the yeah, sport like yeah. you to, to find that niche. I, I like watching it, but I'm not in love with it like you're in love with totally it. And I'm, in, I'm in love with football. Yeah, yeah You're yeah. not in love with football. No, no, no. I just so literally watch the big, 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 big it, games. It, yeah. Exactly. Because you, you're, you're waiting for something to happen. Well, you, it's how I Messi's crap. You're one of it. never delivers on the big games. <laughs> 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 so it's my favourite way to wind up, Tony. Well, you don't wind me up. Slag off Messi. It's, the, it's not, it's not, you can't, it's you crap, can't slag him off. Ronaldo's better. You can't slag him off. Yeah, okay. He's completing football. He's useless. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's wait and see. My prediction is, of course, as well, yeah, Verstappen will win. Behind that, I don't really know. I'm guessing Perez, <laughs> Leclerc, or Perez, Sainz. Yeah. It's hard to know exactly. Who, who got really. second last year? I don't even know. Uh, Leclerc won last year in the opening Grand Prix, didn't he? No, 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 no. Who, who got second in the championship last year? Was it not Leclerc? Did he get second or was it Perez? I thought he got second in the end, Leclerc, didn't he? Did he just pip second? I'm pretty sure he like finished the year like happy. So this is how much I tuned out at the end of last year as well. That's what I'm saying. We don't even know who finished second in the yeah. in the championship. Um, seasons, re- results, and standings. Yeah, Leclerc. 
And then Perez. And then Perez pipped him by three points. Fair. Oh, yeah, because Verstappen wouldn't hold him up, wouldn't he? Didn't, didn't play didn't play ball yeah. with him. Didn't play ball. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's wait and see, but I, I do think it's going to be a tough season ahead. Is it going to be Monaco Grand Prix this year? Yeah, always is. So it's just a procession, just going to go round and round and round. Yeah, aren't most races? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do every love. race it's there. The <laughs> I've long had a... I've figured out Monaco. Yeah, what don't they should go. Do. No, no, no. no. <laughs> what Formula One should do moving forward to deal with Monaco. Go on. It should be a an average so two sessions it's like aggregate qualifying so basically you've got to do three laps and it's the average time of those three laps fair so it's a little bit like the indy 500 shootout fair and you have two sessions so because qualifying is amazing monica qualifying is unbelievable well because that's how you win the race but no, because it is flat out. A Formula One car never looks quicker than flat out in Monaco. Yeah, yeah. Driver skill and precision. Of course. Pre- precision is never put on display more than in Monaco. Yeah, of course. So if you could have that, imagine a full session, all 20 cars out on track, and you've got to nail three laps. Yeah. And your time is taken as the average of those three laps. That's going to encounter traffic. It's going to consistency. And then after the first session half the grid is removed and just the final 10 cars go through to the second session. So you've got more, more chance of a clear run. Yeah. And you've got to maintain those speeds and it's and a super shootout and it would still make it super exciting. You would still get all the on track action. It would still have the spectacle. It would be super exhilarating. It'd be super exciting. Who could maintain that concentration level for, and you can, you know, you have a three sessions and you have a top three of the final three battling it out for the podium. Like anyway, that's my solution because racing there is pointless. Yeah, I agree. But lap times is super impressive. Anyway, we're now starting to <laughs> babble on about Formula One. I'll save that for the after chicken flag episode with Paul Wallace. Um, so yeah, you've caught me right in the middle of a load of trips that I can't talk about, which is super bizarre. <laughs> uh, and I really apologise for that, but this isn't going to go on much longer. The rest of the year, hopefully, is going to be less embargoed and more organic and we can tell you a bit more about what I'm up to. Uh, but if you do want to follow me on Instagram, I will be revealing some of my <laughs> some of my trip stuff. Uh, so that's at Seen Through Glass. If you want to follow Tony in the meantime, he's at Tony Gra- Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. Uh, and we'll be back with you for another live stream and another episode. Well, hopefully I can tell you more about what I've been up to next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.